Hi, Reads and Weeds listeners. This is Shelly. So excited to be back this week. Uh, This is Reads and Weeds, where we smoke weed and read books. Or just read books if you don't smoke weed, which is fine. Um, As long as you don't put other people in jail for doing something (laughs) like smoking weed. Before we jump into this week's book, which is Leave Your Shit Here, Don't Carry It With You. It's a journal that is written by two women that are on this podcast with me today and I love it and it came to it landed in my possession at a real good time and uh, before we jump into that fun discussion I want to remind everybody that Hash Bash is April 1st on the Diag in Ann Arbor and it's the largest kind of longest lasting activism criminal justice reform rally party that's been going on in America for a long, long time. And several organizations that are gonna be there that are important that I'm gonna talk about this whole month, Sons and Daughters United, no Great Lakes Expungement Network, which um, is raising money all the time to help people expunge their records. And oh, Redemption Brand, who started that when Ryan Basor got out of jail and founded Redemption Brand. He also started working with expungements. Josie Scoggins is raising money for the Great Lakes Expungement Network by doing a treasure hunt at Hash Bash. So you buy a ticket um, and you go around to all these different places in Ann Arbor and you get treats from all these different dispensaries and things. And um, she has kind of a standing bet if anybody can outsmoke her mother. So that is great. So if anybody's oh, wow. up for that, message me. Um, fabulous on top of fabulous on top of fabulous, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, like, a, it's like a fabulous 10 layer cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it is. So I have three wonderful people on here with me today, and I'm going to start introducing them. So before I get to the authors, hi, Shannon. So good to see you via Zoom. It's so good to be back. I've missed you. I've missed this. Thanks for having me I know. I know you had a baby since the last time you were on. Yeah, she's going to be two next month. Like how? Congratulations. Congratulations. And um, Shannon, if you like belly dancing, Shannon is dancing on Instagram every day and she's a book nerd like me and we met doing improv and she's done lots of these shows before so it's good to have you back and I also have uh, Liz Reed and Jackie Wallace who put this journal together so Jackie has been on shows with me before and I've done her show called the Nooner Show but Liz is new first time reader Liz (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, can you introduce you and Liz and you guys, Liz, then tell me how y'all know each other. Okay. I'm Jackie Wallace. I met Liz. Oh gosh. I don't know how many years ago, how many years ago, Liz, like probably two years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was before the pandemic, but Liz was a guest on my show several times and now she has her own podcast show. Um, But it was before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, that we got together and started working on this idea for the book. And the the idea came up because we were talking about different ways to 
you know, just release uh, like our frustration or really say what we wanted to say, but you know, you can't post it or you can't say it to somebody else. And we started jokingly talking about, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a Facebook page where people could really post what they're thinking and it's okay. But it was during, um, you know, all the divide and political climate and all that stuff. And we were like, no way, we're not doing that. So one thing led to the next. And we said, why don't we do a journal? Because I have, uh, I use this tool myself and Liz does too. And she, uh, she does it with her, um, her clients as well. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just So. so you know what we're talking about here, we've got this journal that is 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 full of i'll let i'll let liz i'll let you describe it but liz is a psychotherapist and jackie is an entrepreneur and a coach and they didn't just come from nowhere this didn't just come out of nowhere they're regularly helping people with with things and so liz tell me a little bit about how you and jackie uh worked on this together and why you felt the need why you felt it needed it to exist in the world well, um, okay, so I'm, uh, uh, I, I specialize in addiction, believe it or not. L- marijuana is the least of my worries. So let's get that out of the way right okay, now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me just say that. Um, I, I, I specializing in opiate addiction and so forth. Myself, I'm in uh, recovery from alcohol 20 years. So when I went back and got my master's degree in social work and I became a practicing uh, therapist, um, I started working with a host of different patients all over the world or, or all over the country in different various uh, situations like um, recovery, as well as depression, anxiety, um, and, uh, bipolar disorder. Uh, I worked on psych units, yada, yada, all kinds of different stuff. Well, one of the tools that we always used was writing, like if you need to write a letter to somebody or write something down and you don't want to give it to them or it's for your eyes only, what we used to do is we used to shred it or set it on fire. So um, one of that was very cleansing, very cathartic, pen to paper is very cathartic for people. Um, one, uh, a mutual friend that Jackie and I had um, introduced us. We kind of started discussing this type of therapy. She brought, you know, Jackie's always full of ideas and all kinds of cool things she wants to do. She asked me if I wanted to collaborate on a book about leaving your shit here instead of taking it with you. And that's kind of how it was born. And so we thought if we had a well-designed workbook that could work through, you could start on your mental health journey and help you get started on understanding why you feel the way you do, how to leave your shit there for your eyes only, or to shred it or set it on fire. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. We picked topics, talked about it. I appear on her show usually once a month and we discuss different things and it just kind of, kind of had a natural genesis and it worked out well. Cool. I have to say something about what Jackie said a minute ago. She said, you know, you can't just say whatever you want on social media. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) But everybody does. (laughs) Jackie has restraint and manners and filters. I'm like, you have different social media friends than I do because most of the people I know say no, whatever no. they want. Right, right, yeah. they do. But and that's true. I do too. But there are consequences. And what's kind yes. of baffling oh, yes. to me, there's consequences. But what's baffling is how they're shocked when there's consequences. And right. so that's kind of like this whole thing. Write it down. Take time before you post it. And then see if you still really want to post it. I don't know if you um, 
So there's a, a comedian um, who also teaches Italian. Gina just sent, my co-host just sent this to me yesterday. And he um, on Instagram does uh, typical um, Italian lessons on Instagram. Well, all of a sudden he decided, did you hear about this? He started posting uh, some not real racy photos of himself, but something different than what he normally does for his followers. And he's got a big following. So yesterday he got on and said, I just lost 3000 people. And he was upset. And he was saying, I just want to be myself. This is who I am. That's fine. But yeah, yeah you'll probably lose more than 3000. That's what's going to happen. Like, yes. So that's, the, that's kind of the whole point of this is it buys you time to think about what you're going to say and what you're going to do before you do it. That's what it's not saying don't do it. You want to do it, do it. You want to say it, say it. But there are consequences. So, and there's also right. people who have said some very callous and, uh, you know, off the cuff, not thinking about it things. They've lost their jobs over it on exactly. social media. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Really, really, what seems like it should be obvious suggestion to not try to work out your mental health in the landscape of social media. <laughs> it just seems like it would be just incredibly obvious. However, right. this is mm -hmm. our world. This is our it world. It would be awesome if you could express how you felt and get support back. But yes. like we write in the book, everybody's a badass behind a keyboard, right? Everybody right. knows yeah. what you need to do. Everybody says whatever they're going to say because they know you don't know who you are. And I had a girl a troll me, come after me, call me at my home, D yeah. all of the above over a benign statement I made on TikTok about families. And, and it, you know, it was startling. It was, yeah. yeah. And when I confronted her, she told me her therapist told her to do it. And I said, I doubt she wants you to stalk me. But- <laughs> Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, but social media is going nowhere. Social media is here forever, right? We are, we are in the land of social media for the rest right. of time. So how you navigate your life, your feelings, your emotions, and what you can live with is vitally important. So if you have somewhere to purge this, like in the workbook, purge how your feelings and, and, and through all the dynamics of your family, your relationships and whatever they may be, then that is truly a cleansing experience and helpful for you to keep an even keel and state of mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's so many times where I've heard someone say like, oh, just write about your feelings. And one of the things that I really liked about this journal was the fact that it doesn't just say write about your feelings. It gives you prompts. It gives you ideas. Yeah. And there's different sections. I kind of saw it as like therapy cliffs notes, you know, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Good. In layman's terms. Right. So it's broken exactly. down without all the psychobabble in it. And we broke it down into easy to understand terms so that you're like, okay, what does she mean by clean, you know, uh, detoxifying or, or cleansing my statements or purging my emotions? What does that even mean? So we give you a clear examples of what you should write that would be helpful for you. So you know what you're doing. Yes. Yes. So I think what would be fun is I feel like we should do this. So I want either Jackie or Liz to read the how to use this book part because you guys had to come up with that together, right? 13 and a half, either there's how to use this book, 13 and a half ways this workbook can help you. And just tell me why you like how you came up with what is our specific intention, you know? So one mm -hmm. of you guys take either the 13 and a half ways this workbook can help you or how to use this book, just so our listeners know 
um, what they're getting into when they order this. Liz, do you want to do that? I'll do okay. how to use this book. Okay. okay. How about that? Okay. All right. Okay. Um, okay. How to use this. Uh, let's sit in our shit for a minute and understand how to use this book. Right. That's pretty clarifying. Uh, you mm -hmm. might be wondering, how can this book help me? How can bitching help me? Pen to paper is cathartic. Writing our shit down, good, bad, or ugly helps us to sort out the jumbled dialogue within our brains and things that we can't make sense of. The stuff that we ruminate on at 3 a.m., this is when our subconscious kicks in and the day's worries become a reality. So how do we work on our internal dialogue and rumination? We write this shit down before it becomes a real problem. We write, release, and destroy. The book contains chapters and highlighted topics that we have seen with our clients over the years. You'll be able to add the date or doodle or track your progress. You may want to tear and destroy some of the bitching about some of what you're bitching about. There is no right way to clear your mind or to use this workbook. It is an individual journey. The only goal is to take the journey. The guru and the coach will have tidbits of information throughout the book that will help you understand the mental dynamics at play, the benefits of the journey, and why we do what we do. Clarification is key to knowing why we are the way we are. For example, why are we so pissed? So start by start bitching, purging, and leaving your shit here without judgment. Side note, we recommend that you keep this workbook in a safe place for your eyes only. Carry on, my friend. Amen. And the reason why I like that it's in such plain language is I am a notebook person. I have notebooks everywhere. I have little note pocket notebooks, a car notebook. I have notes in my phone. I have everything. And um, but the the guidance of this, the prompts are wonderful. And I I want uh, Jackie. Maybe you can tell me how y'all came up with which like which ones to go in. Like how did Watch the Gossip Queen get in? How did um, my progress page get in how did jealousy get in like how did you guys decide to include dis and distance like I think what, were um, they common therapy topics or well I think they were common therapy topics common coaching issues and common issues that we both have experienced you know and the whole point of all of this and the topics that we picked is that you know, so many times people think that there's something wrong with them because they feel the way they feel. You know, for example, jealousy. Who who hasn't been jealous before? It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not okay if you're acting on it or unless it's fueling you because now they're saying that jealousy can actually be a motivator and it can fuel you to hit your goals. So the whole point of it is we pick top topics that we, we've experienced that um, our, our clients have experienced just common things. And that's why we address those things like jealousy and progress was, um, I think that was something that Liz does, right? Liz, isn't that something yeah. that you have mm -hmm. um, worked with your clients? You have them keep a sure. progress page. Absolutely. Like uh, often, often we don't, our natural mindset is what is currently going on right now. We forget about the past. So we're like, we're, well, I was fine then. I'm just as fine as I am now. No, you're not. If you, if you track your progress, you can see where you came from. So that is really a motivator. And so, and also the book normalizes yeah, these feelings. That's our main goal is to normalize our feelings that you're not alone. Right. Everybody feels jealousy. People right. feel anger. We have all these emotions. Let's normalize right. it. You are not alone. Amen. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah. So earlier, one of you said, um, like, it's a start on your mental health journey. And I know the three of you, I mean, Liz, I just met, but you've been a therapist for 10 years. You've been in recovery for 20 years. So the mental health journey of this crew, I think, uh, I know Shannon too, we, we're people who work on it. Yeah. (laughs) We're those people who work on it. So, um, Shannon, I'm wondering, have you used tools like this in the past? Like, have you gone to therapy? I mean, you can tell as little or as much as you want, but have you ever done therapy in this way or used a tool like this before? Yeah. So, um, I, I have done therapy, big fan. It's fabulous. (laughs) And, uh, one of the things that I like about this is, um, my therapist said a thing that always stuck with me where he said, um, when you're you know, the things that are on your mind that you're trying to work through are like potholes. Um, and before you start therapy or before you can really start when you're just kind of starting out, you're driving on the road and you're like, Oh, what was that? I can't see anything. I just fell into something. And so therapy helps you. And the same thing with this notebook, it helps you see the potholes. And, you know, when you first see the potholes, you still fall in them because you're like, Oh, I wasn't able to maneuver things around them yet. And as you continue to work and and practice the mental health journey, then you're able to eventually move around the potholes and see them. But you need you need some sort of you can't just say to yourself, oh, well, I I want to do better. You need to say, what's my plan to do better? What's my plan to work through this or that? Um, And so I, I think this is fabulous for that sense. And then it's also you know, as, as a, as a writer, they always talk about, even for writing, you need to get the garbage out on the page, right? Like everything in so many different aspects. Um, it's about writing what you're feeling and and making your way through it. And, um, so I've never used something particularly like this, but there are a lot of things that, that rang true. Um, and one of the first things was in the, um, the facts, the very first fact that it gave on page 10, which was suppressing negative thoughts and feelings can lead to addiction and dysfunctional relationships. Because I think like one of the nice things about this journal and about this journey is the whole point is to stop suppressing. It's it's to stop numbing the feelings and actually start feeling, which is ouchy and icky, but that's the only way to get through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the other thing too, with what you said, Shannon is um, not just suppressing, but also being in denial of what you really feel. There's, there's so much toxic pos- positivity out there where it's just, well, just tell yourself, you love yourself. Tell you, what if you don't love yourself that day? What if you, your yeah. day sucks? What if you, you know, exactly. And there's like a podcast called the happiness lab, which goes right along with what you're talking about as well, where there was an episode that mentioned that, um, trying to force yourself not to feel a particular way ends up making you feel worse. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of Mm -hmm. like what Alan Watts used to say too. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Anything, Mm -hmm. any feeling you're chasing is just going to reinforce that you don't have it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What was I just going to say? Um, oh, uh, you know, depending on the emotions that we're feeling like, um, depression, anxiety, or anger, or frustration, or happiness, or whatever, you know, too happy, you know, are you in a manic episode? Uh, you know, are you too yeah. sad? Are you in a, in a major depressive episode? Are you stuck to your bed? Um, are you too angry? Are you having a psychotic episode? You know, there's, there's extremes to everything. So, 
the, the goal is to see where you are in your emotional journey. So as we suppress these things and try to keep them down, they will bubble to the surface on some level. And usually at the most unexpected times when you really don't want it to come out, right? Like if your oh, mother yeah. you start screaming in her face over something stupid, okay, something bizarre will happen and your whole, all this frustration comes out. So you, as I always say, and Jack and we talk about this all the time, before you can, if you don't purge all this, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but I normally say black shit out of your heart and your soul here. If you don't pull all that out, get it on the floor and under a 250 watt bulb and start picking through it and talking about it, saying the words, you can't put the healthy pink stuff in there. So all that stuff you think that is okay to feel is not okay or to not feel and to not let out. It's just, you know, that's my past. That's my past it's going to bubble to the surface at some point. So why not just do it and get it over with? Right. That's how we look at it. Mm -hmm. It's kind yeah. of like um, another thing from when I was in therapy was there is this talk about being in the car with your feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And every feeling you have deserves a spot in the car, but they don't deserve to drive. Exactly. Oh, I like that that's one. We'll have to use that, Jackie. Nice. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next book. <laughs> well, well, for me, when I have so many thoughts in my head that I can't pin it down, my regular working thoughts, what am I doing? What am I doing with my day? Then there's the worried thoughts. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it's just a tornado, right? Mm -hmm. And and then all of a sudden I forget, I don't realize that like at some point, 70% of these thoughts became judgy, jealous, worried, da, 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 you know, and I'm still just going through the motions of cooking and driving and paying right. the insurance <laughs> and doing the yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what I like is the getting focus from the prompts, because mm -hmm. then you can go, oh, something to land on somewhere to start thinking mm -hmm. about this thing just to pull one thought out so i'll give you an example on page 22 it's time to bounce who's your tribe mm -hmm. and what's been going on is you you find yourself in a situation maybe it's a bad relationship or something mm -hmm. and you need to leave or it's a family mm -hmm. situation whatever it is and there's probably some, some fear if it's the most important relationship in your life, maybe mm -hmm. who can I count on if I leave this situation? And all it is, is who are the people you're going to go to when you leave this situation? Who's mm -hmm. your new tribe? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? The prompt is list your new tribe. So I looked at this several ways. I don't know what your exact intentions were because I wanted to mm -hmm. ask. Like at first I'm like, oh, it's a list of names, people that, you know, you can go hang out at their house or that they'll be mm -hmm. there for you. And then I'm like, oh no, it's like, well, my new tribe is improv people and therapists and dancers mm -hmm. and creative people and people who are, did you guys picture people writing names there or characteristics on this one? It's time to all of the above. Yeah. Right. Right. Above. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's whatever yeah. works for you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you, you are who you surround yourself by. So it's whoever, it's however you want to define your tribe. Like what's mm -hmm. important yeah. to you? Is it by your values? What, 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 you know, who do you want the circle to be? Who do you look up to? Whose life do you admire? Who, um, what influences do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, so it can be, it can be any way you want. And who gives you comfort? 
Where do you feel right. accepted and comfortable? And often, you know, I say this all the time to my patients, if you get rid of all the toxic people in your life, there may not be anybody left, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have to look at it this way. What can you live with, right? right. We're not going to, you know, maybe somebody, you know, it depends on the patient, depends on the situation and everything. But a lot of people don't want to dump their mother or their brother or their sister right. or something like that, or a friend that they've had for a lot of years. So it's like, what can you live with? So that's also a distance thing. You know, you're, you're, you're establishing some distance, but still having them in your life, but not letting them impact you. And so right. that your tribe becomes these people that make you feel comfortable, happy and accepted and you know, we, we often see this all the time. It's a story I tell all the time on holidays. Uh, you know, all oh, that same old asshole Uncle Joe's going to be there. I'm going anyways, you know, and it's like, why don't you have something at home? And if everybody can't play nice, then they can't come and invite right. all the people that you do like that kind of thing. That's where you can really see your tribe kind of form and where you decide to spend your time on your mm -hmm. off days. Yeah. And it's kind of like you were talking about as well. It's what you can deal with or, or where, what yeah. you're comfortable with and making the boundaries around it. So if someone needs to go see their family, because that's part of what their comfort is, then mm -hmm. it's planning ahead of time. What are your boundaries? Like, what are the behaviors yes. that you will accept and not accept from this interaction? Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, re relationships, they are work, but they shouldn't be so much work. <laughs> Not all the time. Who's, yeah. Who has time for that? And why? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. why do we feel like there's 8 billion people in the world? Why do you feel like you have to stay in the circle that is that drains you? Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing that I like about this book is the point is to give value to yourself, right? I think right. along with that, there's billions of people. Why do we have to put everyone else above ourselves? Right, mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think the yeah. other thing too, that the whole purpose, hopefully what people are feeling when they um, get the book, read the book and start working on it is that they're not alone, that you're not mm -hmm. normal. Feeling is normal. That's the new normal. Yes. It's not normal. So. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to me, that that was like our main, hopefully people will walk away and feel like I'm okay. It's it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the um, a couple things. One is I, I was meeting with this lady um, that I bought some Mary Kay from the other day. Mm -hmm. And she told me that Mary Kay uh, donates $20,000 in each state to uh, a center that women can go to if they're trying to leave an relationship. Oh, wow. And so she wrote the the grant or, you know, there's a place called, I think it's called La Casa in Livingston mm -hmm. County. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? Do you know it? No, and, I don't, but I know of another one named similar name here. But okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they got the grant this year. She got them the grant. There's a big picture of her with the check. But one of the things we were talking about is, is this plan of like, clarifying what you feel so that you understand, like, I shouldn't be afraid of my own home. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't feel fear with someone who loves me. I shouldn't, you know, it's just understanding, getting clear because it becomes normal. It mm -hmm. becomes normal. You mm -hmm. don't realize that what you're actually feeling is fear or what you're actually feeling is undervalued or, right. or mm -hmm. um, cornered or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a plan. And so when I saw that, like, who's your new tribe, I remember helping someone a few years ago. And that was part of their mental health journey was 
they needed, it can get really hard to see another way of being. Yeah. If you've been, if you've been in a state for so long, either a state of self-hatred or a state of worry or a state of feeling lack or whatever it is, it can be almost impossible to just picture what it could be like could be different. So first you have to acknowledge this is the state I'm in. And then you have to start figuring out how to get out of it. And what does that even look like? Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved about this. Uh, There was something about blood, like family. There's like a family stone section or something. Transfusion. Transfusion, blood transfusion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there was few years ago when I I realized like, oh, you know what? I don't love going to my home family for Christmas. It's stressful. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. I feel guilty if I don't go. When I get there, I feel like nobody cares that I'm there. Like, and Mm -hmm. to acknowledge it was so scary because I'm like, I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. I should want to do this. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. Every year I'm like, this is exhausting. It's expensive. Is it worth it? None of them come here to see me. Oh my gosh. Sure. And me and my friend had a conversation. I was like, you know what? We could like not do that. (laughs) That's (laughs) what a concept. It would be a different (laughs) choice. We could make a different choice. Right. Oh yeah. You need, I feel like you need all the permissions in the world to say like, I was born in relationship with this person, which right. has got this hold on me, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but I don't have to stay there, but man, making that leap of like, okay, well then how, what's a boundary I can set? Can I set a, maybe I'll go, but stay at a hotel. Maybe I can go, but only stay a couple of days. Maybe mm-hmm. I can go, but make plans while I'm there. So I'm not beholden to all the events that drive me crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's the blood transfusion section, which kind of gives Mm -hmm. you that step. So if you're out there and you're thinking like, oh, am I even allowed to set boundaries with my family? (laughs) Yes. They're usually the first people you need to set boundaries with, right? right? Right. Because when we share that DNA, that blood transfusion, that DNA, for some reason, we feel we have to be bounded to these people for life because we share that genetic connection. When we look at it, it seems ridiculous, right? It it, it seems absurd, but but it is the truth. And that's the other thing is that when your family disapproves of you or your family cuts you down, we will still keep going back for more because it's our Mm -hmm. family. And it makes no sense when we talk about it right now, but there's, that's why I always say, and Jackie says, you do what you can live with. What can you live with? Hey, we're coming at six and leaving at nine. Well, what you always stay all day. What do you mean by that? Well, um, you know, little white lie. We have to be home in time because we have to get up early, whatever it may be. But that's how you RuPaul's drag race is on. You got that right. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And that way you set the boundaries and they get they get used to you saying what you're going to do instead of being at their behest, whatever they want. Right. Right. Well said. There's, there's a quote that I use all the time and I'm not sure who said it first, but in life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you tolerate. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's how (laughs) life works. Yeah. It's it's not what you deserve. It's what you 
tolerates. So yeah, you absolutely. To, you want if you want to deserve more, you want to deserve better. You need to raise your deserve level. Absolutely. And the other one is we teach people how to treat us. Yes. So if you allow Agreed. people to treat you like shit, they will continue to treat you like shit. Everybody has right. their pecking order, right. especially in a family. So you can be a brain surgeon. Yes. And your older brother is a halfwit, not working and doing nothing. And he will be, if he treats you that way, the rest of the family will treat you that mm -hmm. way. And it kind of goes down like that. And nobody looks at your accomplishments. They look at you where you are in your position in the family always. Yeah, that's good. Oh God, that's so real. Um, <laughs> I wonder, I, I want to hear comments on sometimes not getting what you want is a stroke of luck. And this is something the habit I formed over the years when I think back about it, isn't it amazing when you try to, like, I try to think about all the jobs that I just really wanted. And I was so devastated when I didn't get them. And I cannot even think of what they were now. <laughs> like it was the biggest, most desperate loss of my life that I didn't get that job. Can't even think of it right now. But also then I would see someone in that role and be like, oh my God, I dodged a bullet. Right. I want to do that. So right. that became a habit because I was doing so many things that involved failure. You know, I was in sales, I was in comedy, I was in all these things where there's just built-in rejection. And so it became like, this has got to be a survival technique for me where I just am like, good thing that thing didn't happen that I wanted. But why did you guys decide... <laughs> to include this, not getting what you want is a stroke of luck. Like, why was that important enough to put in? And then I want Shanna to talk about like, has she ever experienced this? So one of you jump on that one. Jack, you take that one. Okay. Um, well, really it's exactly what you said. Um, you know, when we don't get what we want, it almost, um, we forget actually what it is we really want because we're hell bent on getting what we want. Mm -hmm. And then a year or two, and it could be a relationship. It could be you were going to marry somebody and that didn't work out and you're devastated. And three years later, you're looking back going, holy shit, thank God that didn't work out because I met the love of my life. So it's, it's exactly what you were saying. It's just um, when you're in it, it's very difficult to think that way because when a door closes, whatever door is closing, for some reason, you think it's personal um you have bad luck whatever it is where if you just get through it when you look back almost always it turns out to be the best thing that happened mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's sort of a reminder for people yeah yeah mm -hmm. you ever had that shannon <laughs> always always <laughs> um and you know you can tell like when you're in it because uh and you know and I am in it at the moment in various ways because then when you read it and you're in it you're like yeah right uh <laughs> when yeah. you're when you're not in it and then you look back then that's when you get to have that moment of um right you know but uh something that I do try that this book even talks about that says um how are you gonna feel about this tomorrow and I was always taught you keep going out further if um, if you if tomorrow isn't far enough, right? right. If you're like, how are you gonna feel about this tomorrow? I'm like, I'm still gonna be salty. And then how are you gonna feel a week mm -hmm. from now? How are you gonna feel a month from now? Uh, and so you just keep going out until you can find a date where you're just like, look, at some point, this is not gonna be horrible. Um, and well, you're gonna look back and you're gonna think, meh. And the the other thing too is it's not like that's gonna happen one time in your life, and it sort of reminds you, okay, wait, this happened before. For with 
X, Y, and Z. And I got through it. And because that didn't work out at that time, I'm in a much better place. So it can, it can also bring back other experiences that you've had, because it's not going to happen one time. Absolutely. That door is going to close. Yeah. And then it's one of those things that, um, you know, we mentioned that you can look back and say, how lucky was I that this didn't happen because of X, Y, Z. But then there's also the piece of how lucky am I that this didn't happen because I learned this lesson that made it so much easier for Mm -hmm. me to do, you know, ABC in the future uh, because Mm -hmm. I I was able to bypass this, this piece of the puzzle. That's a great point. And also when you open yourself to the universe, as I like to say, and allow things to come to you, more things do come to you. And it gives you a certain amount of peace also mixed with radical acceptance. I don't know if you've ever heard this term before, the DDT term, but radical acceptance is just the acceptance of everything that is happening is meant to happen. You're doing the best that you can. That doesn't mean you just lay down and let things happen. You add your part. But if right. it's going to come back in a negative manner or in a good manner, it's the radical acceptance that this is the way it's supposed to be. And I'm not going to let it completely rock my world. Uh, obviously, there's exceptions to that. But I'm going to radically accept that this wasn't meant to be for me right now. And the universe will bring me what I need. It sounds Absolutely. very, uh, I don't know, kind of Freudian, but it's very true. It works. Once I started accepting mm-hmm. that, I, a big, deep peace came over me. I used to be completely neurotic. I'm only a little neurotic now, right? <laughs> right, Jack? I'm much better, but just I mean, it's not too just totally, little. just cutting back. You need a little bit, just, just like a taste. A little bit oh, yeah, you have to scene. have a little. <laughs> just a, a little. tasty, a tasty but see, little see, biscuit. That, that's, a good, that's a good point, what Liz said. Aren't we all a little neurotic? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I might be more than a little. <laughs> I was going to say something about that, Shelly. I was thinking that, but you know, it's your, your show. So. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite, um, I'm glad I saw this in here was stuck in your own story. Yeah. And I'm so glad that was included because so many times in my life, me or a friend or a situation where we just keep going, that was a terrible situation. That was it. And then this happened. And that's why I became this. And then I reacted to it that way. And you told your story to yourself so many Mm -hmm. times Mm -hmm. and, and you've never thought to go, what if I just rephrased some of this, where I wasn't the victim of this story, where I got lucky at some point in this story? Like, when did it become this story? When did I edit it down to this form and stick with this? Like, I was a victim in that situation and that thing was all my fault. And that was, you know, or that person was trying to blah, blah, blah. It's like, Mm -hmm. what part of this story do I need to change? And that freedom of like, oh, I don't have Mm -hmm. to just be that person who got super publicly divorced, or I don't have to be that person who, so tell me what you see in your coaching and your therapy how do people get stuck in their own story and how easy is it to get them to, to start to change it? How do they start to change it? Well, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, people come to therapy um, and they're, 
you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G has gone wrong. And this is why I feel the way I do. And it's like, I, I get it. I understand. Because this actually happened to me when I started therapy and I got sober and somebody called me a victim. And I was like, how dare you? Well, I am so insulted, right? I couldn't <laughs> even believe it. I Are you kidding what I'm going through? And then I really started to think about it, really started to think about, okay, why do I feel this way? Well, yes, I, yes, this, these shitty things have happened, you know, but, um, and I say this to patients, but what can we do about it now? You know, what are we going to do about it now? How can we move forward now? What can we do about the things that have happened? How are we not going to ruminate on those things? How are we not going to let them dictate the rest of our lives? Well, how are we going to deflate the power out of that and take our power back? which is a lot of what people think. A lot of people think that their mind, their rumination, their past is who defines who they are now and going forward. And in so much reality, we have all the control in the world over our own mind and where we're going in our future. So it's a, first of all about recognizing who we are and what we're feeling sad about and why we are ruminating and moving forward through that after recognizing these incidents that have gone on and understanding why they happen and how we can correct them moving forward. That once again is radical acceptance, accepting this is part of who you are. Right. Messed up, but <laughs> we got a life to live, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and that goes to one of the favorite, one of, um, one of my favorite quotes uh, um, in this book is this is just a season. And I love that because for everything that we're feeling, this is just a season, right? Right. Right. Nothing lasts forever. No, may feel that way, but it doesn't. Right. It does. Yeah. That's why oh, yeah. so many permanent solutions are made from a temporary trauma. Okay. Mm. We see this a lot with suicide, right. which is one. I'm a big advocate for that. I worked on a psych ward for many, many years with people that were suicidal. And that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot, of, a lot of what we see in this book can lead to, if you really dwell, really get to a very down point that you can't find any way out and start feeling hopeless. So the point is, is to, you know, how to figure out where that is, how to move forward through it and to feel better on the other side. Um, so uh, you talked about ruminating and it's kind of that thing as well of um, something that I've found from years of journaling. I'm like, Shelly, I have journals all over the place, every, every room of the house, car, pocket, um, and then boxes of them in the basement because that is how life should be. But um, sometimes getting through the chatter, getting through the rumination, the only way to do that when you put the the garbage on the page, when you put the 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 black steamy, uh, whatever you're, it was beautiful, but I forget the words. Yeah. <laughs> and and writing all that stuff out and letting it have its space allows for the mind sometimes to be quiet enough for then you to be able to say, well, what is that next step going to be? And I think that's one of the important things about journaling is that um, the the brain is so noisy, right? Like, and it just yeah. happens to be so noisy all the time. And the only way to get it to quiet sometimes is to wear it out and you wear it out with the words on the page. And then from there you can say, okay, we've, we've exercised these muscles. Now, what are we going to do next? Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm feeling, call it frantically stuck, it's mm -hmm. when suddenly oh, I'm good. like, oh my gosh, I think I just planned way too many things. 
why did I do that? Now I'm going to get overwhelmed. And I haven't even thought about my day. And then suddenly it's like, and if I sit down and just start writing things, whatever it is, whatever it is, just, it can just be nothing to do with anything, but eventually what I'm trying to write about will start being written about it will get mm-hmm. and I'll be like oh oh right 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 I was just feeling like I, I need to start thinking about this as being easy I've done all this before I don't know why I started thinking it was hard none yeah. of these things I'm trying to do are hard it just seemed like a lot because somebody I bumped into said wow that seems like a lot and I'm like does it is it I guess no oh and then now I'm like what is that I guess that's it is a little bit ridiculous right why am I doing so and then I'm like wait no this actually feels pretty natural for me and I'm not going to rush to everything I'm just going to walk calmly between activities I don't have to picture myself as like frantically racing around I can do all of these things but actually just do them in a you know it's one of these one one year I was trying to think of all these New Year's resolutions that I was going to do. And then I, I read somewhere or I, I was looking at some like a health book, a health diet, digestion book or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to change all of my New Year's resolutions. To just chew slower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there like, that's a good one. If I can chew slower. Right. It will mean so many things about my life. It will mean that I'm paying attention to what I'm eating. It will mean that I'm calm. It will mean that I'm enjoying my food. My actual digestion will probably improve. But I remember crossing all these things out and writing chew slower like for the whole year. I'm like, then if I catch myself chewing slowly, I'm like, check me out. <laughs> halfway through the year still crushing this new year's resolution chewing slow chewing slow okay other thing forgiving yourself okay so I feel like so lucky that at some point in my life it may have been church it may have been church adjacent it may have been psychedelics it may have been at some point I realized the power of radically forgiving yourself right and the freedom, it was after my divorce a long time ago. That's what it was because I was uh, thought of myself as a horrible person and that I didn't deserve to heal. And that if I walked around feeling shameful and protecting myself with weirdness, then I deserved it because I was a bad person, right? And it felt like my job to judge myself. And I know probably none of you have ever experienced that. What? No. no. <laughs> Not yeah, us. I don't, don't know what know you're talking about. about. <laughs> but tell me, tell me when you're working with people, how powerful is and what are some of the biggest things that people need to forgive themselves for? Like how powerful do you think forgiveness of yourself is or others it's huge because that's shame you're talking about shame uh, shame is what we carry with us all the time that's something if a flaw within ourselves that we can't forgive ourselves for right 
uh, guilt is guilt for something we did. Shame is how we feel about ourselves. And that is the number one thing that people wrestle with the most. For a lot of women, uh, you know, sleeping with too many men or making bad decisions, or even in the case, you know, I've, I've dealt with many patients that have been sexually molested and think badly of themselves because there's something they could have done, air quotes here, it's just ridiculous. And when you're feeling that shame, it, you just feel as though you're not worthy of the attention or love or the good things that come within your life. And it's incredibly empowering to be able to forgive yourself as you know, radical acceptance goes or whatever, you know, everything that we've been talking about here today, understanding that this is just a part of who you are. You know, a lot of us have some really dicey pasts or bad things that have happened to us. And I don't know if you've ever seen uh, motivational speakers talk about the trauma in their life. That's how they stay present and they stay clean and they stay healthy. It's by purging and talking about what has happened to them and owning it, owning your shit. You own it, you write it down, you purge it, you do the best you can, but it's the secrets that keep us in our shame. And what has happened to you and who you are and what you may have done wrong as a child or a teenager or as an adult or whatever bad decision, if you don't own it, if you don't understand it, then you can't forgive yourself. And it's just a part of our lives and who we are. And so it's important to let that stuff go that, you know, it's often very difficult to do by yourself. Journaling is very helpful for that. But having someone else you trust to talk to about it, a life coach or a therapist or somebody who's a non-biased person that can help you understand that this is nothing um, that you need to be carrying with you. Leave it here. Yeah, and you kind of sometimes need that proof of not deserving the shame, right? You need yeah. someone else to tell you, you, you don't need to carry this burden. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Normalizing it. We all feel shame. Everybody feels shame. every one of us women sitting here right now has done something we wish we hadn't, right? Absolutely. Right. Uh, that we wish you hadn't done. And, and we, right. if we could take it back, we would, but you can't. Right. So you have to own it. I'm not telling right. you, you know, you don't have to go out and tell everybody your dirtiest secrets, but right. you own that stuff and say, hey, it's just a part of who I was at that time. And, you know, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, I'm different now. I'm not right. that person anymore. Right. I own that. And I think it's, it's, you know, creating a new narrative and mm -hmm. a new interpretation of things. And it goes back to being stuck in your own story. You know, I'll give you an example of myself. When I went to college many years ago, I got kicked out twice. And I got kicked out because I was doing the reads and weeds back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for college. Um, <laughs> but back, back then, yeah, I, I, it was embarrassing. And it was a story oh, that I yeah. was stuck in because everybody else was graduating and I did, well, I did graduate, but it was 10 years later, but it was very embarrassing. And it was, um, it was something I was shameful about, but now I talk about it and I brag about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I got, I got kicked out twice. Big deal. You know, I mean, it's, it taught me because the first time I got kicked out, I convinced the Dean to let me back in. So when I tell the story today, I tell the story is that taught me how to convince to self influence somebody's decision. So it, I use it as more of a, that was a great skill I learned. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful reframing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It, it really, it really, you know, and I think you can do that, you know, with most anything. I mean, I've had another, I had another situation when I was much younger. I, I used to say it was at the wrong place at the wrong time because 
I kind of, well, maybe I shouldn't go into it, but anyway, I ended up in a hospital. I got stabbed a couple of times, but I used to say, what the hell? You never told me this, Jackie, go ahead. (laughs) A lot of people don't know it. I mean, yeah, you know, family knows about it because I was young, but I used to say I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. But now I say, no, I wasn't. I was right where I was supposed to be. I wasn't at the wrong place. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I, it just <laughs> happened. But so it is a matter of how you interpret things. And of course, when you're going through it, it's not that simple. You're not logical. But mm-hmm. at some point when you start really analyzing things, you can start saying, well, you know what? That made me street smarts because I feel like I'm pretty street smart today mm-hmm. because of that. And now I am very careful of who's following me and what's happening. Um, so there's things that come out of, you know, uh, things that you could keep you stuck or it could help you move forward and you can use those skills for future things. Even being street smarts can help you in business. Yeah. And then there's also the fact of, I don't know, when I think about the worst things that have happened to me in my life, I look at them and I say, you got through that. This isn't as bad as that. This is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that I really loved was the shit acronym. Uh, And I wanted to talk about that. It's delightful. (laughs) Okay. So tell me the page and then describe it to the listeners. Yeah. So this is um, on page 41. Okay. And uh, this is, let me get to that page, the looking at shit differently. All right. So look at shit differently. S, strive to resolve your problems. H, handle yourself with care. And I love that one. I, improve by making small changes every time. And T, think first. I love making up an acronym. I'll tell you. Everything's better with an acronym. And who, who would not love an acronym for shit? You know, like just a lovely, happy acronym. <laughs> well, and, and yes. again, this ties into reframing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I hear a lot is if people are feeling like a victim of circumstances, right? This always happens to me. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. got rejected again. I just can't seem to catch a break. Why does everyone else get what they want and not me? (laughs) Right. Or I always end up with it in a terrible situation, you know? So as coaches and therapists, how do you, what kind of tools do you use to help people recognize their own power? Because I feel like it's a power shift when you suddenly understand like, oh, I you know, the world isn't out to get me, actually. (laughs) You know, everybody's going through things. I think part of it is understanding everybody's going through things. So like, you're not the only one going through things. It can feel like it at times, Mm -hmm. but what else? Like when you, when you see people in that situation, what, what can trigger, what's the shift? More of therapy, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that goes back to the victim mentality, right? So what I have my patients do is trail back what just happened. Okay, so a situation happens to you and it's like, it always happens to me. Why me? Blah, blah, blah. Well, let's analyze it. Let's, Let's analyze who just, let's just say it's somebody said something to you 
or you didn't get a job or something. We internalize that trauma and that pain. And we are like, it's because I suck. I'm not good enough. And that's why let's just say it's a job, but let's say we take a look back at that person who's giving us that information or that situation that went down. Well, what's really going on there? Well, this lady has been at this job for this amount of time. Her boss told her that she can't hire somebody without a certain education level she's been down her back, blah, blah, blah. And she had to cut her, her uh, interview with you short because she had to move on to the next uh, potential client or person for this, you know, candidate for this job. You know, if you start looking at, okay, my mother uh, just said this or that to me and it was really painful. Well, I don't know. She's got diabetes and a broken hip right now, or she's doing this or that, or a friend just said something to me that was really painful. Well, she's going through a divorce and she's got three kids and she's, you know, um, you know, having a hard time in her life right now. We never analyze what the other person is going through or mm -hmm. what's going on with this other person. So I try to have my patients disconnect yourself from you being the victim and it always honing in on who you are and how hard this is on you. Get rid of that and think about the other person and what they're going through and what might be going on. Right. And, and we don't often do that or the situation that's going on. Uh, you know, if you don't get the job, well, maybe you're just not qualified enough. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, not all of us are qualified for everything. My mother told me a thousand years ago, there's always going to be somebody prettier than you and smarter. So get over it now. I was like, wow, that's harsh. Okay. Radical <laughs> you know, acceptance. Radical four, acceptance. Right? I was like, okay, well, that deflated me. All right, moving forward. You know, so it's kind of one of those things that, you know, there's going to be situations where other people are more qualified. Somebody's going to take out their day on you. Um, you know, it's just not a good day. I mean, the full moon was just out last week. I, I put something on Instagram. I was like, I give up. I surrender for this full <laughs> moon has taken the life out of me. It was just one of those weeks. Right. And so it's about putting yourself in the other person's shoes and not taking it on yourself. I really think that's super important. Right. And I think because most of the time it's, it's not about you. Yeah. Whatever the conflict is, or or the yep. anger, or the mm -hmm. reaction, it really has nothing to do with you most of the time. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what's your part in it? If it does have something to do with right. you, what's right. your part in it? Are you whining? Are you complaining? Are you are you starting a right. fight over nothing? Are you jealous? Are you angry? What's your part? Are you having a bad day? So that's right. the acceptance of your own part. You need to take right. into consideration as well. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that my therapist used to always say to me is 99% of what people say or do to you, it says everything about them. It says very little about you. Yeah. Sure. That's yeah. True. And what people think about you is none of your business. Right. Very true. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Really yeah. Oh, I have a quote like that too. You'll worry less about what people <laughs> think of you when you realize that they almost never do. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's true. Oh, I know. I wonder what they're that's thinking true. of me. It's like nothing. They're yeah. thinking nothing. They're care they're less. thinking about nothing. themselves. They don't care about you at all. Excellent, <laughs> Shelly. Excellent. I like that. I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so this is going to sound kind of silly. I mean, I mean it's, it sounds like I'm transitioning into a plug, but it, that's not really it. I love that you can get this online. This can be a secret purchase. Some people, uh, most of the people that I associate with love 
talking about mental health and love talking about working on themselves and what they're growing and how they're growing. And that's who I've chosen to surround myself with. But for some people, that first step to say, I'm a broken person, I am a mess, I need to figure this out is such a hard step. So the reason why I love this is because you can just order it and it'll be delivered to you and you find a pin in a drawer somewhere and you just can sit down with your private self and just get some things on paper. It's so low risk, so Mm -hmm. low risk, such high reward because there's nothing embarrassing about admitting that you're a mess. There's no judgment, no judgment, judgment, right? Although I would say most people don't want to just dwell there, right? You Mm -hmm. know, so there's admitting you're a mess is part of the path towards less messiness. Not that there's anything wrong with a slightly messy life, but it's just not to the point of discomfort and misery. You don't want to, if you're, if you're a mess and you're loving it, then that's great. But if your mess is, is, is hemming in on your enjoyment or love or relationships or, you know, or you're beating yourself up is, is, is causing big problems or your, or your addiction or whatever. This is such a low risk first step to get this book and just have a little guide. Maybe you're not ready to talk to a real life person yet. Maybe you are. But having just a little guide that's fun, just to open your head up and, and, and allow your perspective to change a degree or two and mm-hmm. to start so that big shifts can happen. Um, but it's a great starting point. I right. think it's such mm-hmm. a great starting point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I will have you guys go through like how to get it and everything. But before we do that, any final thoughts on the use of or creation of this book uh, well the, the good thing about the book is that it's not you don't have to start on any page you can go wherever you want and oh yes I do like whatever you yeah so so it's very easy to use and we made it easy for that reason because it is difficult to sit down and purge your thoughts um and it's difficult to be truthful even on paper if nobody else could see it it's it's really hard to do so mm-hmm. you're right it's a good first step and i think we tried to make it as simple as possible mm-hmm. cool and as you purge your thought people often will say i'm not much of a journaler i'm not you know really i don't really have anything to say i'm not gonna you'd be surprised once you <laughs> that pen hits that paper you may need a second sheet. We had her act. We had the the publishers actually add more pages because there there's more for people need to write down, and it's all in one small concise place for your eyes only, and right. and it's something you can refer back to, look through, get a clearer uh, definition and understanding of where you're where you're feeling and how you're feeling. And if one part of the book doesn't pertain right now, it may later. So right. it's kind of a good thing to be able to reference and go back and forth from or um, set on fire when you're done, How, whatever you feel like doing, honestly, right. that's the and point. You know, another thing too, is that we never celebrate our wins. We don't pay attention to our progress because yeah. we're always caught up in the shit. Yep. Um, what's nice about this is that you go, you can go back and look and say, I handled it like that. And I'm, I'm handling it like this now. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of progress. I have a lot to celebrate. It's a win. So yep. there's, and, and we have a lot of wins every day. We just don't take time to 
pay attention to those things. We're caught up in the rat race. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I remember years ago, one of my goals was to reduce bounce back time. So I was in this sales job. I was in this sales job and I realized if something knocked me off track, felt like it took me a month to like get my ego situated and get my confidence Mm -hmm. back and get my good habits back in order and then cry and get upset and blame myself. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, okay, I'm back in the groove. And I'm like, okay, I need to reduce that to like a week. I'll give myself two days to be upset another two days to figure out what I did and I need to be back on track and I was like you know what what if I could get it down to like a split second I really messed that up why does it have to take a whole month a whole week a whole day why do you have why does any particular circumstance warrant oh okay well the, the severity in my mind of that particular event I need to hang on to that for at least a year you don't have to though if you lost someone or broke up with someone and you can find some peace about it quicker there's nothing wrong with that right I don't think there's anything wrong with that because basically why does it have to take x amount of time why does the like I lost that job I should be sad for a while had a fight with my you know best friend I should be sad for a while I should be sad for a year because it was my best friend or whatever it's like why Maybe that was just releasing something. Maybe it was mm-hmm. fine. Maybe you can get over it tomorrow. Done. Yeah. That's and it's like great. another muscle, right? Like, so you're working on strengthening the muscle so that it can do things faster and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. I like that. Well, I love this um, so much. Wait, wait, wait. One last thing though. And I'll guess I'll let Liz take this maybe is uh, we talked about how it's good to write down all your emotions and stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. because of the consequences of doing it say on social media and how you can get fired or people think you're crazy or you lose a million fans or, or mm-hmm. whatever it is why okay and so that is a section in the book about why not put this on social media so tell me why you decided to include that and then just give me a top two or so of the reasons Liz uh, well that's actually Jackie Jackie's more, Jackie Jackie did more of that part. I can. Okay, Jackie, page 47. And just describe page 47. We'll wrap up with this and then we'll talk about what everybody's got coming up. And and we'll wrap. Yeah, nine reasons why you shouldn't air out your dirty laundry on social media. I see it all the time. And I don't even have to look at this because Mm -hmm. I think the number one reason you don't do that is because there are consequences. It doesn't, you, you have a few seconds, the minute you're, you're typing, you feel good, but that's it. As soon as you're, you post it, it's going to lead to regrets. It gets other people involved. It turns out to be much bigger than you really even wanted. So the, the few seconds that you, that dopamine rush that you get it, it causes a whole string of problems that take a lot longer to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you don't do it. And like number nine is they'll see, right? They'll see the rips and stains in your dirty laundry. Like the minute you start posting about other people, what they did and blah, 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 blah. Trust me, there are people that are looking for your dirty laundry to post. So mm-hmm. unless you want your issues to keep going and going and going, don't do it. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And there's a lot uh, on top of that. There's a lot lost in text. Okay. Yes. You send a text or type something out to something and it could be like, he's I such agree. a jerk or he's such a jerk or you're such a jerk. Nobody, you know, nobody yeah. knows what your inflections, what your no. mannerisms are or your tone right. behind things. And people take a lot of stuff wrong that, you know, has happened to me over the years. That's why I do videos instead of writing so that they can see what I'm trying to project. Um, it can be very difficult. So yeah, that is absolutely, you know, you need to be very clear on what you're trying to say. And even in the clearest form in text, it can be misconstrued as something else, depending right. on somebody's mood and how they're right. viewing your words. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, y'all, I love this book. So Thank um, you. before we go through how to get it and all that stuff, Shannon, do you have any thing coming up that you would like for us to know about? Um, in Lansing, there is this, uh, they call it the thrift, thrift store or thrift store gala. Um, and it's two stories of burlesque dancing. Uh, and we, oh, as the, wow. right, it's so great. It's fabulous. And, and people are very talented. The audiences are just wonderful people who just love to cheer and support everyone which uh, is something wonderful. Oh, um, my troupe is of belly dancers. We're Karma Belly Dance in Ann Arbor. Um, and uh, we're, we're the opening act, which is wonderful for so many reasons. We get to go on stage and then we get to watch everyone else do their wonderful performances. Oh, how cool. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Yeah, yeah. really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, I'm Strudels for, for Shannon Trudell. It's like a mixture of someone mispronouncing my name. Uh, and so it's S-T-R-O-O. D-E-L-L-S, Strudels, right. and that's on uh, Instagram and TikTok are the ones I'm most active on, but I do also do a little bit of YouTube and someday we'll do Facebook. <laughs> cool. Cool. cool, cool. That's right. All right, and Liz, tell everybody how to get the book and if you have anything coming up. Um, the book is on um, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, just about anywhere you find your books, you can order it. It can be delivered to your home. Uh, it's very inexpensive. So it's a nice little thin um, workbook to start getting through. Also, I am on Instagram under my company name and my podcast on addiction and mental health, which is Liz Life Guru. And you can find that on Instagram, Facebook, and Podcast Nation. And I have my old podcast on Podcast Detroit. So anyway, oh, oh and God. Psychology Today under my name, Liz Reed. Right on. Okay, Miss Jackie. And, uh, I have a podcast show called The Nooner Show, which is also part of Podcast Nation. And I do have old shows that under um, Podcast Detroit as well. So, and it's right Facebook and Instagram. Cool, cool. Wonderful. Yeah, so that was wonderful. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening and you get the book and you start working on it, uh, let us know. Let us know how it's going. Hit me up on Instagram or, um, you know, if you're looking for a coach, looking for a therapist, we've got a couple of good ones right here. And I hope you get this and use it and get, it is never too early or too late to start on that mental health journey. And this wow. is kind of a really kind of a fun way to do it <laughs> so mm -hmm. thank you so much thank Bye. you Shelly thank, thank you, you.